Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Jono McNeil, welcome back to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast. How are you, you very busy bee? I I am a very busy bee at the moment, I have to confess. And actually, you've been amazingly flexible with me trying to uh, find a time for this. I've, I think I've moved it twice on you. But, um, but no, I'm really happy to be here. And um, always a pleasure to have anything to do with BAST. I think it's such an amazing organisation you guys have got going on. So this is a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I mean, you have got an eclectic mix of training and experience under your belt. I mean, you've trained as a classical instrumentalist, you've studied as a jazz musician, you've been involved in session singing, singing backup for the likes of Michael Bublé, you create your own music as an artist, and you have worked as a vocal coach in institutions, in a private setting, and also on TV. So how has all of this informed you best as a voice teacher? And what's one of the life lessons that you've taken away from this? Well, it's actually quite interesting to hear you kind of crystallize it all like that, because there are, it makes me so aware of all the different chapters to what I guess I've kind of explored. And I I think it's probably very much pointing to my very distractible brain. (laughs) I don't like to do anything um, for for too long, for one thing for too long. But anyway, I I think I, I really love every single one of those things I've been able to be involved with. And I think it's just a, a, a matter of just loads of enthusiasms. I think the core of them all is music. I love music. I can't stop listening to it. It's playing all the time, all sorts of different genres around my my house, like to this day. And, and that's sometimes you know a bit overwhelming when you're listening to it for your day job. But I just love what it does. I kind of love it almost from a slightly more community-based perspective you know what it does to kind of capture our human experiences and what it does to crystallize different eras of us as a as a people and popular culture and youth culture and all those kinds of things so that's uh that's been really kind of the core of it all and whatever gets me in those kinds of doors is a good thing I had unmusical parents, really. They didn't know really what they were interested in musically. And so they just kind of saw a musical kid and they just kind of allowed me to to explore it all, which is great. And just happened to stumble upon some really good mentors and teachers um, that kind of fueled that passion. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of led down various different kind of pathways. The artist pathway, I guess, was an interesting one for me. I'd done a year of education studies at university as an 18 year old and then saw an audition poster for a band, an established band and just kind of ran away with them much to my (laughs) parents' dismay. Um, But it just meant I was kind of having a bit of a baptism of fire, touring, recording, you know, just um, these big crowds working out what to do with them and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a bit of a bandstand education as we called it back in Australia. And then, uh, you know, I guess that kind of funneled me back into academia. I wanted to plug some holes that I felt that were um, needing to be plugged knowledge-wise. And and that was great. I think I kind of found new passions in jazz and the kind of approach to jazz. I think probably the approach to learning jazz and developing jazz has probably informed, informed a lot of my perspectives as to how I approach music now. I'm very much a pop guy now. I that's my very much my niche. But I think jazz was responsible for really framing that all. 
in amongst that, I've talked about my parents a bit, but they're both teachers. I think I've got an educator in me just kind of almost by default. So I think there is a, a real desire in me to kind of see the education that's been bestowed on me by amazing people. I'm really kind of distributed about the anyone that I get contact with and that took me to the institutions that I've been able to teach at I love you know I teach people in this space right here um artists groups all sorts um and I just love I guess to kind of cast vision for what music can do give people the skills that they need to really express what is within them you know I think music is primarily about self-expression so those skills or those techniques need to be the vehicle to make that happen a parenthesis I always say that technique is a wonderful servant and a terrible master I think when that becomes the whole focus technique we don't definitely lose the soul of what music's about so I do kind of do it in that respect but yeah and then the tv thing gosh that was um a surprise and I think I'm probably set out into my musical career with no idea that tv coaching even existed and I was just kind of asked to help on some auditions on The Voice, gosh, it's probably nearly a decade ago or even over. I'm not very good with chronology, but um, I uh, I just kind of mucked in, did it. I was quite intimidated by the whole thing, full disclosure. But I just, I think there was something about getting people to a high level on speed, like at a, at a really high rate, which I was quite attracted to. And I think it really put some pressure on my skills to really get people... Um, with very obvious and exciting change in very short space of time. And I loved that pressure. I think I've always thrived under pressure. That's been something I, I've now found a real kind of home in. I you know now work on several TV shows. Now it's The Voice, The Voice Kids and The Masked Singer are kind of my staples, but I do um, other shows around that and the odd pilot here and there <laughs> sometimes doesn't do very well. <laughs> but yes. And I guess I, I've come maybe full circle now where I'm doing much more industry, music industry stuff. So I'm working particularly with groups, a couple of boy bands and a girl band, are my main focus, and really kind of moving more into studio work, vocal production, arranging. And I guess it's put me back on that kind of creative um, bent, which I, I absolutely need to be in um, because I'm kind of helping to create a real sound that is not only current, but kind of pushing the envelope, you know, kind of doing things that I feel or believe people will respond to, even though it has not really come into its fruition at that point, which I guess is the definition of creating, you know, of being a creator, you're taking something that hasn't been formed and, and giving it some life. So how did the TV opportunities actually arise for you? I guess I, you know, it was a, a bit of networking. I had some people who had seen what I do um, and thought that I would be a good fit. That said, I feel like in TV in those early years, you're always being auditioned uh, as far as being even, you know, they call it talent in the um, in that kind of ecosystem. But you're always being, I guess, reviewed by execs and you know, producers and everyone's always watching you to see what you're doing with the with the with the acts that are going to be performing and trying to see if you're the right fit for that. And then after a while, I think I just got my flow with it and managed to kind of keep my job for long enough for that to be seen and, and acknowledged. I can kind of remember a moment where I just I just started to click in with the whole thing. I just thought, this is really me. I love 
being on a TV set. I love being with these kind of really amazing kind of 90 second performances that need to kind of grab your heart within, you know, 30 seconds of those. And, and, and I, and I love, you know, seeing the reactions of the audience and I love trying to work out how to pull a heartstring and how to draw the best out of someone that maybe have, hasn't sung at all, you know, in a professional um, sense and certainly not you know in front of 18 cameras to you know three to seven million people you know what I mean like it's it's um it's a whole different psychological game and I just loved every bit of it I also love tv people like you know they're good fun people to be around everyone's kind of mucked in to make the job happen everyone's under pressure but you just you're a, a cog in a big machine that you just really you have to trust that everyone's doing their job to the highest level and to the best of their ability and you um kind of yeah you just you you muck in and make it work but that's how I kind of got into it but yeah job retention is 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 a is a whole other discussion (laughs) Um, but I'm very lucky to be able able to stay in these tv shows for so long um because um yeah it's a really exciting place to be it's a good job that you thrive under pressure because it sounds bloody stressful the it observation is, oh, yeah and oh gosh and the days are long you get kind of put into these kind of dark studios which don't have any kind of awareness of daylight outside and it can really start to mess with your head after a while but I do like it you kind of go into a zone when you're on these shows you you kind of just disconnect yourself from the real world and you just you just get on with it and I get into I get into this that very zone where you're just kind of like, I'm just gonna make it happen. And you know, there's reactions happening and there's people crumbling and there's wobbles happening right, left, and center, and there's you know, voices that need to be gotten to a place where they are fully functional and able to do what they need to do in very short spaces of time. So you're applying technique, you're applying style, you're shaping the song, you're trying to come up with arrangements, you're working with the musical director, you're working with the execs, you're kind of the meat and the sandwich with lots of different people coming to talk to you. But then you're the access to the act, you're having to be up there calming them, you know, pressing, you know, pressing them at certain points, trying to make sure that they're kind of, I guess, delivering all they can, shaking, you know, giving them a little bit of a pejorative slap around the face here and there you know like you know you just got to almost um be knowing where the job is all the time and then kind of snapping to action but I think that's what I like about it I I really love people I really I love interacting with people I love um understanding them and kind of reading them and working out how I can get the most out of them um and that's I guess really keyed into an enthusiasm there. So the pressure isn't too bad um, once you're finding that you're in your flow and you're doing something you enjoy. You did a really great masterclass for BAST called Working with Exceptional Kids, which is available, by the way, listeners, on the BAST membership. And in that, you explained the setup of The Voice Kids. So can you give us some further insight into the setup of something like The Masked Singer, if you're able to, and I'm not going to get you fired because there are really secretive parts of that show, aren't there? (laughs) Lots of NDAs we have to sign. Yes, yeah. but, um, but no, I I'm happy to absolutely share what I can, and I think it's a a fascinating world to me. You know, I you know even though I've done it for a while, I uh, I love to chat about it. It really is fascinating because I think TV has to kind of capture audiences. It has to you know really shows get commissioned based on ratings, um, and yes, new things come out, and I think you know channels are great at being able to try new formats, but really the ones that stick around are the ones that people want to watch and so trying to work out how to make that happen consistently I think is 
the challenge. And so I guess with music entertainment shows like The Voice and The Masked Singer, it's about creating stories and relationships with the characters and the talent and the acts on 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 the screen that people feel like they can connect to and yes that can be done with vts and you know background about their jobs and their previous experiences or their highs and lows and all that kind of thing i think that's you know we all love to get to know an artist for sure their personal lives it's kind of the fascination of fame as well that we have but i think beyond that in my area is the music bit have to be able to see that musical element that will capture people where an artist is different, where an act is different, where a kid is different and put them on show. For uh, shows like The Voice and The Voice Kids, we do audition tens of thousands of um, people for those shows. And especially in the early days where we were really throwing the net out wide, you know, it might be, you know, 40 50,000 people would be getting applications in there. So, you know, it, it's, um, it's become a bit more of a fine process now and we have amazing scouts and, uh, and um, kind of casting teams that are good at finding people. But yeah, there are just a huge amount of people. And so our job as vocal coaches, and, you know, alongside the team is to kind of extract someone we feel like are really going to strike that chord in the public, you know, and it might be a diamond in the rough, you know, a lot of the time it is. And um, sometimes that super polished, technically proficient, highly experienced singer is not as emotive or maybe doesn't capture someone's heart or bring that kind of sense of something extra to the table. And um, and so, yeah, I guess one of the things that I think this is perhaps vocal coaching as a wider thing, but I think one of the main jobs that we do is giving artists, singers, acts a vision for themselves that is much bigger than they have for themselves and I think you've got to do that quite quickly you know all of this happens at speed um you've got to be able to say no this is your time you've got this and I think we can get you there and they have to trust you so that building of trust is a big thing as well um you know especially you know a lot of these shows people are quite suspicious so you know are you going to sabotage me or do you you have a like are you favoring the person in the room next door or you know all these kinds of things so you've got to show that you know and actually really be on their side you can't just be an act you know you've got to really be on the side of the act I often call us vocal coaches we're like the soldiers the act soldiers you know, kind of protecting them, quality quality control, making sure they've got everything they need, making sure that their performance is going to be everything they hoped and dreamed of. We're the one kind of fighting for them in that process, especially amongst all the pressure that they have to go through. So, yeah, and then and then I guess, you know, these shows, uh, you know, they're sometimes they from casting, from the beginning of your casting process through to broadcast can be you know, over 12 months. And so you you're very much kind of monitoring them, um, over those times, I mean, along with big teams, we've got amazing kind of casting teams and pastoral teams. And, um, you know, we get psychologists involved, you know, to make sure that, you know, the acts are able to manage the process. It's really, really important. We've got duty of care and the whole thing as well, and welfare and all that kind of stuff. So that's all taken into account. So we're part of that team, but definitely involved in that whole process. And then you've got to get them onto stage. You, this is one of my main jobs is putting people on stage and making sure that they, one of the, probably the biggest phrases I say, just before someone walks onto stage is do what we've planned because 
so it's easy to go rogue with all that kind of adrenaline, all that excitement around you and that screaming audience and all those cameras and all that kind of, you know, hype. Um, and you can go rogue, but, you know, I guess it's really, really important for us to prepare something that we know is going to work and then execute it the way that we have planned. And that means that there's a quality that can be there as well. And you mentioned this big team. How much of that includes collaborating with judges? So like on The Voice, if you've got Pixie Lot there and Will I Am, how much of that is communication with them to what they've commented on or what they see as as teams mm. so an interesting thing with the voice formats um is that people in the red chairs the celebs are called coaches and so we you know people that do the singing coaching we're called vocal coaches on the show and we're behind the scenes and then the red chairs are the celebrity coaches uh, and so they are really by definition and by name seen need to be involved with the creative process they can't just be picking people and you know hoping for the best so they and they do love to be involved you know um for sure I think they've got that vested interest obviously in their teams they want their teams to win and do really well they want someone within their team to win the show so there is that motivation there for them and a lot of the time, yes, they're giving us notes, us vocal coaches notes, you know, especially if they want a little energy kind of bump or might be in song choices or it might be that something they're concerned about. And sometimes they'll even dive in for things like keys and um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the vocal coaches then will go away and we'll do a lot of that um, kind of implementation for the for the act beyond that. Yeah, I guess. You know, it's always nice to have as few notes as um, as you can get. That's always like a little personal challenge I give myself. I wonder how far I can get this completely over the line, you know, and um, and 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 have people just go, "Wow, bravo, fantastic!" I don't have any notes. <laughs> but that's just a little kind of selfish uh, <laughs> personal goal. <laughs> but yeah, but no, I'm I'm a big collaborator. I love teams. I love being in big. Um, big, highly competent teams where everyone's really good at their jobs, and I'd much rather rather that than be some sort of you know lone ranger some, uh, on with my own kind of renegade crusade going on. <laughs> How do you help celebrity contestants on something like The Masked Singer who may never have sung a note in their life or have never done anything like this before? Well, I guess you treat anyone in these kinds of shows the same you you work, work out where they are at and you help them from that point yeah we um we teach singing um and and I think this is where I kind of come back to some of my roots you know at the end of the day you kind of use your experience your musical intuition your soul your musical soul like what kind of triggers you what excites you what makes you bored um and use those things to kind of work out where the holes are and then you just start filling those in for the the individual that's in front of you and I think this is um you know this is not peculiar to any one show this is probably the process for every 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 person that I teach singing and uh like I say I think there's a sense of giving someone a vision for what they could do um that maybe is even bigger than what they have for themselves um sometimes there's that and then Sometimes I have this kind of philosophy of of high-low, which is when you get a high-impact performance, which just really arrests the senses, but is also low on demand when it comes to the actual mechanical 
outworking of that, maybe something that doesn't kind of stretch someone so far that they're you know putting a lot of risk on the line. Um, and sometimes, yeah, trying to find that can be in song choices, that can be in decisions to how you shape the song, for where those ad-libs go, for how high you take them, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes there's real merit in going to a place of comfort for that singer and finding the place for that singer to be as comfortable as possible so they can just do something they're really, really proud of and not be put in too much harm's way. There's sometimes that is needed. Also, you still want impact. You know, this is still about having a really exciting performance from everyone. But yeah, I try not to to, to put needless risk into a performance, whether it be musical or technical. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's just kind of executing that little bit of wisdom at that particular moment. But, yeah, I guess, as you know, as you know, I can't speak too much about masking it just due to the constraints on our privacy for the show. But I guess the big, the main challenge, as anyone could imagine, is singing in a mask and being anonymous, having these amazing costumes on you that completely take away your identity and that also can be heavy and can be warm and can be almost disconnecting from the real world as well. Um, and, you know, we have amazing teams that make them as comfortable as possible, but there's a lot of psychology behind all of that that can really be um, something to navigate for the act. Can that sometimes be quite a positive thing? If you've got a singer who is actually quite frightened of this experience, stepping into that costume, and they are amazing, uh, and they do they do look heavy, but as you say, the, the team probably makes them as, as easy as possible. But do you feel like that sort of taking away their own identity can help with things like performance anxiety or, or nervousness, or does it heighten it? Yeah, I think, I think for a lot of, uh, singers there they'll see themselves in one of two categories anyway more live or more studio and and I think it's probably the same for that for that concept of having a mask you know the studio you don't have to put on a face of makeup you don't have to you know wear anything particularly you don't have you know goggling eyes on you um you know audiences that have all these high expectations you also don't have to do things in one take um and and so a lot of singers will feel a great sense of comfort in the recording studio that they um that allows them to do their best and then conversely you get the live people who won't perform their best unless they've got all that adrenalized crowd around them but i think it's probably similar to wearing a mask um you know being behind a veil um for some yes it will be very empowering um for some they want to kind of burst out of that shell and connect more with people and create more eye contact and more connection all that kind of stuff so personality base for sure um but yeah i think yeah, it's something I wish I could talk, talk much more on, just because there is a there is a lot to being in a mask. Um, but yeah, just the nature of the show that 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 stuff needs to be a little bit private. Yeah, and you know what? I can't actually cope with the fact that you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, right now, like Ooh. your mind, you know, and I have no idea. I can't cope with that. Um, <laughs> but you're doing very well I, to keep it all a secret. I, uh, <laughs> I I'm. Yeah, I am not great with secrets. So being on that show has been a really great new discipline for me to exercise. <laughs> Just <laughs> biting think, your knuckles each time. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Any executive producers of the show listening, I have been really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I know nothing. <laughs> what qualities do you think a voice teacher working on a TV show needs to have? 
The top two would be having loads of experience because you ha- are thrown with lot thrown. You have loads of different situations thrown at you, right, left, and center. Um, so I think that might require you know, interpersonal skills through to vocal technique and lots of different vocal technique things you can do really quickly. Uh, musical intuition, trust in your instincts, um, uh, ability to sell an idea, all those kinds of things. So, um, so that that's I guess under the big umbrella of experience. Um, lots and lots of it. Uh, just being around lots of singers, I think, is really, really helpful in that situation. And then um, secondly, I think you need to be amazing at being in a team. Um, and it's something that I love. So this is why I feel TV fits me so well. I do actually prefer being in a big old team where everyone knows what they're doing and everyone's good at what they're doing. And um, and you can just trust that everyone's doing their bit. And we have, you know, in TV, you've got editorial production and crew and I'm kind of in editorial um, and production make sure that we all run really really smoothly and we're to schedule and everyone gets there on time and you know that you know all the things arrive when they need to and get the sets built on time and but us editorial like we're the creators the vision people you know and and we we can't do without the other you know we can't have one without the other and of course crew executed all with cameras and lighting and sound and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I think you need to be able to work in those teams really, really well. And you need to be able to get on with people. I think it's really, really important. Um, you're not going to have a nice time if you don't get along with people in TV. So first, if you can trust others, but also be trusted yourself, it means that you don't provide a burden for anyone else. And everyone else can do their jobs better because they're not having to worry about what John is doing with the singer. You know what I mean? Um, so there's a bit of there's a bit of that going on. Probably intuition would have to be way up there, I guess, let's make it top three. Um, but uh, yeah, th- you need to be able to read a room, read a person, understand what people want. If you're not asking that question, you get into yourself into a lot of trouble. You know, if you get a, an act walking into the room that that wants something different to what you want for them, that can create some real dissonance and real tension. And, and that you know, can mean that they aren't having a good time, that they are not able to do what they want to do, what they came to the show to do. So being able to capture that. And it's amazing seeing once you can reflect back to the act, whoever you're with, what you believe they are wanting for themselves. You see their shoulders just let go and you see them relax and calm down and start to smile again and start to kind of settle into the space and then you can really do much more work with them because they are in a place of comfort and safety and they know that they can trust you and that means the world to me you know when someone trusts me I never take that for granted so yeah that's um that's they're probably my top three things um yeah you just I you have to be reactive adaptable changing all the time you've got to be fast on your feet you've got to know when to press the red button you know when like there's an emergency like you need to know when to when something's a disaster, you also need to not catastrophize and always be problem solving as well. You know, working out how you can get through this particular situation. Um, you need to know when to ask for help. You need to know when to get. I mean, one of the things I love is that I work with dear friends of mine. So other the other coaches that I work with, you know, I'm at their houses having dinner and like, you know, we're really close. And so we can all kind of we all know our strengths and weaknesses and sometimes we you know, jump into the room next door and go, all right, um, Jay, what do you think? I think this is, you know, this is slightly out of sync, but I'm not quite sure why. And there's a bit of a disconnect there. And she might have an insight that might help me, you know, with that kind of um, moment. So there's a bit of a collegiate 
collaborative approach, which I really love as well. Awesome. From your experience, how do you see or how would you like to see the role of the TV coach evolve? Oh, what a wonderful question. And thank you for asking it. Maybe I'd like to comment on how new fresh faces can get into TV coaching. And granted, there are not a lot of spots, so I don't want to <laughs> um, be you know, cutting off my nose to spite my face. But um, but uh, you know, I, I, I would like to keep my job. That said, I do really believe also in the next generation. And I think one of the um, disadvantages of TV is it can be really difficult to get into, very closed-doored. And once you're in, it's very difficult um to get those slots or those jobs so hey again I don't want to kick myself out of my own work I love what I'm doing and I don't want to leave the job but I do think there could be a much more open doored approach to um to that world um I think there are a place for interns you know apprenticeship like kind of positions where where you know new great talented coaches can come in um, who are fresh-faced and have great new ideas and could be a part of seeing the running of those kinds of shows um, and kind of being able to see how they can bring their value to those scenarios as well. And I think sometimes the thing that locks other people out of those positions is their lack of experience. And actually, you know, there's very little shows that are going to employ um, a vocal coach without you know, a decent amount of TV experience, but how do you get that TV experience? And that's already always sorted in like editorial and production where you get runners and you can, you can become a researcher or assistant production, you know, production coordinator, or production secretary. There's lots of different rungs you can work up and you're seeing the, the, the whole system works because you're seeing um, what's going on around you. You're learning the ropes. Um, you're learning how to deal with all sorts of situations, you know, whether it be going to Sainsbury's and picking up a bag of shopping uh, and then realising that, you know, there's something going wrong with the order through to, you know, right at the top where you're working out how to deal with, you know, a big kind of political concern from the from the show or something that's kind of happened that is, you know, not messaging the right stuff to the, to the general public. So I love that in the TV world. And I wish there was a bit more of that in the coaching world. I would have appreciated that so much. You know, I was definitely thrown to the walls a bit, you know, you just kind of muck in and do your best and prove yourself. But, you know, I've definitely had really kind, um, wonderful uh, colleagues who have kind of nudged me here and there and said, it's all right to do that. It's all right to walk up there. It's all right to say that to that person. And how about you go to the exec and just suggest that? And all those kind of things that you're just like, oh, <laughs> should I do it or shouldn't I? Um, and that kind of stuff is really helpful. And maybe a bit more of that, considering the next generation, could be incorporated into the future of TV vocal coaches. Well, John O'McNeill, it's been a pleasure to chat with you, but do not move a muscle because you're staying put with me for one more week to chat about style and how to lick, riff and run. But for now, Jono, where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Oh, well, um, always love to hear from anyone. I, um, I I guess my main socials are Instagram. So it's just Instagram.com slash Jono McNeil, one N J O N O M C N E I L. Um, and my website um, has a lot of information about what I do, a lot of my tutorials, um, artists that I work with, um, their videos and all sorts of things. So I'd love you to visit that. Um, again, that's Jono McNeil Ed. So J O N O. 
M-C-N-E-I-L-E-D.com. I'm very impressed with myself that I managed to spell that all, all out at, <laughs> into the air is my main weakness. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll see you very soon. If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a ahem, five star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review.